Hey y'all, and welcome back to the On Iowa podcast. I'm Leah Van, and this is episode two of a three-part series on Black history in Iowa athletics. Now, as y'all know, I'm one of two women on the Hawkeye football beat here in Iowa. Shout out to Celia in the Quad Cities. So in addition to my passion for football, I'm also passionate about women's sports. I grew up an athlete in high school. I ran track. I played volleyball. I was never a D1 athlete, but I was very involved with the Texas Running Club and was even an intramural and middle school volleyball official during my time in college. So as I was doing my research on the first black athletes at Iowa, I thought I needed to include the first black woman athlete at Iowa. And it took some digging. I went through the university library's yearbook collection online, and I thought I found what was the first black woman athlete at Iowa, but I had to get that confirmed. Through my sources, I learned that that woman was Marcella Benson Cuisina. Marcella is originally from the south side of Chicago and is currently a professor at Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. At Iowa, she was an athlete in fencing, which is no longer around at Iowa, um, field hockey, and also basketball. She received both her bachelor's in health and physical education and her master's in athletics administration from the University of Iowa. She went on to receive her master's in social work from the University of Washington, then a master's in organizational development at the Fielding Institute, which is also where she received her Ph.D., in human and organizational systems. So Marcella has worn many hats, um, but one that's super interesting is that she was one of the founding members of the National Black Women's Health Project, which is now the Black Women's Health Imperative. So before I get to the interview, I'm going to give you all some background up top about a few things that Marcella mentions on the history of women's collegiate athletics. First, Marcella played sports during an era in which women's sports were governed by the AIAW, the Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. The AIAW was founded in 1971 to help administer national championships for women's collegiate athletics. Um, This is before the NCAA came into the picture. Of course, we have the implementation of Title IX coming up in 1972. Now, Title IX, as we all know, is super complex, but if we summarize it, it prohibits the sex-based discrimination in any school or other educational program that receives federal money. Now, the two organizations, the AIAW and the NCAA, did coexist for one season, and that was the 1981 to 1982 season. But the AIAW folded shortly after, and the NCAA took over governing women's sports. Um, Some names that you might also hear are Peggy Burke, who was the physical education professor at the University of Iowa and past president of the AIAW from 1976 to 1977. Bonnie Slatten, the first executive director of the AIAW, was also from the University of Iowa's physical education department. And last, but certainly not least, someone that everybody will recognize is Christine Grant, who was the first women's athletic director at Iowa. My interview with Marcella talks not only about her experience as the first black woman athlete at Iowa, but also what it was like to be a woman athlete in the AIAW era and how she views women's sports today. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. 
Hey y'all, just a disclaimer before we dive into the rest of the podcast episode. At the time of this recording, I was under the impression that Marcella Benson Quisina was the first black woman athlete at Iowa in the post-Title IX era. And since then, I have published a follow-up because it came up that Emma Squires was actually the first black woman athlete at Iowa. But the problem with the records here is that Emma actually did not letter in athletics at Iowa, and Marcella did. Marcella was the first black woman to letter in varsity athletics. And this is all dependent upon when you consider Iowa women's athletics to be intercollegiate. And according to the university's records, uh, the varsity club president confirmed that that was 1974, but I know that there are women out there who consider that to be 1973. So I just want to emphasize that both Emma and Marcella deserve all the recognition coming toward them and their spot in history in Iowa women's athletics. I do realize that in the the early 1900s, there was also club sports for women. But again, for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to assume um, women's intercollegiate athletics post-Title IX, which would mean that Marcella and Emma were the first black women athletes at the University of Iowa. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Marcella, I wanted to know kind of your backstory. How did you get to Iowa? Um, and my guess, you were playing field hockey, right? Yeah. Well, you know, during the time that I came, you could play many different sports. And so um, people specialize now, but you could play field hockey, basketball, softball, fencing, and things like that. And when I first came, what I did was fence. And so we went around and, 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 and fenced around the country. But um, they, um, when they were looking at the programs that they could have, they cut the fencing program, um, probably because of how far we had to travel to really get a good fencing team mm-hmm. to, to get challenged and stuff like that. Um, and so we... Um, and so, I mean, and fencing is it's a wonderful sport. But we cut, they cut the fencing program. And, I, and um, Christine Grant actually is the one who got me involved in field hockey because she um, is, you know, she, she's, she sleeps, speaks, breathes, eats field hockey. And so she thinks everyone should play field hockey. <laughs> so, so I think I was in one of her classes because I was a phys ed major. And so I was in one of her classes and um, she, that, oh, you might like this sport. And so I went out and actually, I think it's, I now think it's the best sport in the world. So, <laughs> I mean, there's no other sport like field hockey. And, um, and I tell that to everybody, but uh, everybody doesn't believe it. I mean, I, I did um, play basketball also. Um, and like you, I um, was on the basketball team and I'm only five, four and a half. And at <laughs> one point, one day, I, I was on there my freshman year, then the, my sophomore year, my freshman year, and then the next year, everybody was tall. And I'm like, I'm going to eat this ball. I'm like, I'm going to be the manager instead. <laughs> so I, I um, actually um, managed and, and then did some, uh, as I was a student, I did some um, student coaching with um, Locke Birdsong, who was also the, um, one of the, the, the coach that was hired for basketball at the time. 
Um, And so, and I played, yeah, and I played softball. I love softball. And I was the second base. I played second base in softball. Um, And um, I um, played volleyball. So, and so, and it was, you know, that was during the time when every sport had its season. And so you could go from one season to another season to another season. Now the, the seasons are so long, you can't do that anymore. Um, and so it was fun to be an athlete at that time. Um, and a lot of us phys ed majors were made up a lot of the teams and things like that too. Um, There's a lot of other women who, who played also, but a, a lot of us um, were phys ed majors. And so we went through the, we went through um, our whole program together, which was so nice and, and bondy. Um, and, and the other thing is uh, Iowa was like one of the number one program for physical education at the time. And um, we had some of the, I mean, I, I was there during the time of Christine Grant, Bonnie, Ber- Bonnie um, Slatton, Peg, Peg Burke, um, and all these wonderful women who were shaping women's sports. And so to have those role models in our lives was just amazing. And so, and to this day, some of the lessons I learned there, I, I know I still, I still implement to, in, to, in my life today because they were such powerful women and such thoughtful women um, about um, what the, the strategies they use and what they needed to do to, to really um, advance women's athletics. And, and Dr. Grant just went on and did a lot of work with Title IX and I just followed her career. Um, even though I left sports, um, I still follow sports um, on the, um, and what I do. And, um, and there's a couple of us who um, um, get together every year to go to the, the National Women's Basketball Final Four. And, um, and it, when we're all together, they're like, how do you know so much about athletics? And, and, and it's all about, you know, what I learned there. I mean, I, I did my undergrad in phys ed and then I did a master's in athletic administration. So, um, and, um, and so, and Christine Grant was the athletic director at that time. So some of the stuff that we were learning from her was just phenomenal. Yeah. So um, what made you, where are you from originally and what, how did you get to the University of Iowa? Well, I'm from Chicago, um, you know, you know, <laughs> um, um, the south side of Chicago. There's only one side of Chicago. If you um, come from Chicago, like I do, you, you claim your, Actually, your territory. Just, <laughs> I just did my master's in Chicago at Northwestern. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, OK. OK, great. Right. Oh, beautiful campus. Northwestern has one of the most beautiful campus there is. So. Um, and, um, and so I was um, in a program um, when I was on the South, when I was in high school, I was in a program at the University of Chicago, um, a special, it was called, the, the name of it was the program. And it, in the summer, one of the things we did was athletics all day long. And so there were people from all over the city and, and stuff would come together. We would participate in, in sports and things like that. And the, the, the um, Larry Hawkins, who was the director of the program was actually the coach at my high school. Um, and he, um, and so when, um, and one of the things the program that did was um, assisted um, students to get into school. And, and so when he, and he was like a mentor to me at, in high school. And so one of the things he was saying was, what do you wanna do and where do you wanna go? And when, I, when he found out that what I wanted to do was um, be a phys ed teacher, he knew of all the, the good schools and things like that. So he said, um, I think where do you wanna go is Iowa. And so he 
pretty much directed me there. And um, there I was, university. And I went with, um, it's interesting because two other um, women from my high school went to Iowa. And I, I have to say, I went, my high school was all African-American. The community I lived in was all African-American. And then we got to Iowa and it was like, we wondered where all the African-Americans were. We didn't realize there was only gonna be 150 people of color on campus, but um, we managed, we all graduated. And, and um, but it was really a cultural shift for me that I remember the first day walking around, it was a holiday. And the culture was so different than what we did on holidays. And we would just kind of go, well, where are all the people? Because um, in Chicago doing the, doing, I think it was, uh, what you want, Labor Day. Um, everybody's out barbecuing and things like that. And we thought, oh, everybody's gonna be out barbecuing. Let's just go walk around the city. And nobody was anywhere. So we were like, okay, this is gonna be a quite a different experience. Um, and, and it was, and, um, and so, I mean, so, so one of the things I, I did while I was in school is, um, so there's all these communities at Iowa. I mean, it's 25,000 students during the time. And so, um, so uh, one of the things I had to do was, because I, I wanted to be in both communities, I wanted to be in the athletic community, and I wanted to be in the African-American community. So I had to really um, try to understand how I could get all of my needs met and be in both communities. And so that was a big challenge for me during, during my times. So and one of the things that kept me in the black community is that I was also a dancer. And so I was a part of the um, Black Genesis Dance Group, and um, which was a wonderful, wonderful, it was um, a group that um, was uh, a, a lot of students of color came together. And what we did was, um, it was, storytelling and, and dancing connected together. And so it was just this beautiful, wonderful way of bringing our experience on stage um, and, and just really enacting it for the community. And it was, you know, it was really a nice uh, way to, to, be, to, to stay connected to both communities. And it was wow. nice that the, that you know Peg Burke and all those guys would come see me in my dancing and stuff like that. So the, they would they would come and watch because I would say, oh, we're having a performance, and they would show up. And so that was nice because it um, let let me know that they knew that I was also in this other space. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what was it like um, joining the athletic community at Iowa? Um, especially since I guess you are you were the first black woman to be a part mm -hmm. of it. Um, so I'm not sure I knew that at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, because this is, I mean, this is the 70s. And, and so you, you don't think that, you, you know, I mean, I, I, I look back and think about how many first I was. And, and at the time you kind of go, oh, why am I the first at this time? You know, and so it's 1972, 73. And so it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of, interesting that uh, I'm a first. And so, um, and so what, I, I think one of the things I, um, I did was, you know, one of the things you, I, I think you have to do when you are um, in different cultures and stuff like that, you have to scan your environment and find out where are the points of in integration and what are the points that you can, you can be inside of this system and not have a lot of dissonance and things like that. And so there were a couple of other students that um, I connected with right in the beginning. Like I remember Marty Lane, um, a student of mine, I mean, a friend of mine was one of those students. And so we connected that first week, I think. 
And so, and after that, she and I were just buddies. And it was that buddy that having that connection and in, in that in the, the athletic community that really assisted me um, and um, um, in the in our um, system. And so, um, and everybody knew that Marty and I were buddies. And so, you know, if anything came up, they knew to talk to Marty. If if something was going on with Marty to talk to me, if something was going on with me to talk to to Marty. And so that was. So I think that assisted me quite a bit because I knew I had somebody that, that if I wasn't understanding something, I mean, for example, I mean, Christine Grant, when she first came, her accent was really, really strong. And, <laughs> and I hadn't heard a lot of accents. And so I was like, what is she saying? And I would, would actually sit next to Marty so she can and say, say, say to me, oh, I said, did she tell us to leave? She says, no, 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 no. She's asking us to do this, you know? And I said, oh, okay. And so um, just having that, and so she served as a bridge um, for me in some ways, as I, I hope I served as a bridge for her in other ways. And so it was that partnership that I think that allowed us to, to flourish in the system. Um, how did you and Marty kind of connect so instantly? I have no idea. I think... Um, it was through humor. I think that um, one of the things I, I I love humor and I connect a lot to humor. And so I think we were in class and she said something and I said something and we both just broke up laughing. And then after that, we started talking and we knew that we had the same kind of cadence and, and how we um, approach kind of situations and what we thought was funny and things like that. And, and, and we both had uh, a passion to, um, to promote women in athletics. And, and so we would, you know, get together and do things that, you know, some of the faculty would say, why are you doing that? You know, like go talk to the president about women's sports and things like that. And um, they would say, well, you, you know, you just can't go have a meeting with the president. And we go, really? The, the president of the college, <laughs> really? The, he seemed to be fine with it, you know? <laughs> So, um, so she and I would, would get in that kind of trouble together and we just kind of loved it. So, um, but um, so having that, so, so it was that, it was, I don't know, we're both about five, four and that may have helped too. So, you know, so we were, you know, we just, and we both fenced um, together. So we were both on the fencing team. We were both interested in fencing. And so um, that allowed us to just continue to develop our relationship and, and, and to get to know each other. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel? She, she was from Muscatine. She was from Muscatine, Iowa. Gotcha. <laughs> wow. <laughs> A lot different from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, had you fenced when you were in Chicago or was it something you tried when you got to Iowa? It was something I tried when I got to Iowa. When I was a kid, what I used to do was Remember, I, I don't know if they, they don't make them anymore. I, had, I, haven't, I haven't seen them in the store. But when I was a kid, they were these really long tubes of spaghetti that you used to buy. Mm -hmm. um, and so my mother would buy those long tubes of spaghetti. And what we loved to do with those tubes after she took the, 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 the spaghetti out of them was to fence with them. And so that was my only, I, you know, that was my only knowledge about fencing. But I loved playing with my brothers and sisters with that. And then when I got to school and realized there was a sport that was, you know, I could do that was like that. 
I was like, okay, I'll try this. And so, you know, one of the first classes was fancy and I just loved it and um, really, really understood the mechanics of it and things like that. And so, I mean, and, and, and I don't know if there was a, a transfer because I used to do, um, I used to twirl. And so I don't know if there was because of some of that, that, that transferred into the, the hand movements and stuff like that. But it was one of those sports that really just came to me. And so what um, sports had you done previously before going to Iowa and like kind of what maybe fueled your interest in physical education? Oh, well, um, when I was in high school, I, I, I you know, I, I was a major at, uh, and I, um, I, I mean, I twirled and I was a pom-pom girl and I played basketball and volleyball. What made you want to study physical education? Um, so I, I grew up dancing. I did a lot of dancing also. And so I grew up with a lot of people who were, and some of the mo role models in high school were physical educators. And um, I actually was, I mean, it's like I loved teaching. So I would help with the classes. I would, when I went to down to the University of Chicago, I would help and tutor um, other students and things like that. So I was interested in teaching um, and I was interested in teaching physical aspects of, of, of sports. And so, and so it just all came together um, for me because my high school gym, my basketball coach, Gloria, Gloria was um, really uh, a really good basketball coach. And, um, and, um, and she, um, Gloria Smith. And, and so, and then Hunter, I can't remember Hunter's last name, but she was the swimmer. She taught, taught us all how to swim and stuff like that. And th they were just very strong women who were um, um, just powerful in their presence. And I really enjoyed working with them, learning from them and thought I could be that. So, you know, so it, it was like images that were coming at me that I, I knew I could step into. Yeah. Um... So during your time at Iowa as an athlete, you talked about like the culture shock of going from an all black, you know, <laughs> south side of Chicago to very white <laughs> Iowa. Um, did you ever face any discrimination at all? Of, of course I did. Um, and um, I mean, that's one of the main reasons I needed to stay connected to the, um, the um, community of color that was at Iowa. Because I, I, so when I would bump into those kinds of things, I, I knew I had people I could go to and have conversations with. And that, that was one of the ways we all supported each other to stay on, on campus and stay grounded. And so um, something would happen or some, you know, um, would happen and I would go and talk to a friend that um, I had. And, and so we would strategize together and, and the interesting thing is I, I know that it happened. Can I give you details? No, I, I don't, you know, so it's like, I don't remember any of it. Um, but I, you know, I mean, I do, I mean, I re remember things like um, we would have a, um, a celebration of the phys ed department. And one of the things that they wanted to play it at the end of every single um ceremony it was like a yearly thing was Dixie you mm. know and there's just something wrong with you know just ending everything with that song 
cut in me. I don't care that it was somebody's favorite song, <laughs> you know. Um, and um, and so that that was very unsettling for me. Um, there were um, be things like um, I they would want us to do something and I would do it, and then they would say, "Oh, but nobody did it," and I would say, "Excuse me, but I did." And what they were meaning was none of the white kids did it, and I would say, "I you know." Once I'm, it only takes one person to do it. I did it and I did it for the group and you need to acknowledge that. And so that, so coming up against stuff like that, it was, you know, sometimes it was very subtle um, um, and sometimes not so subtle, but, um, but having, you know, knowing where I could go to manage it, know, knowing where I can go to, to have those conversations and to talk it through and to, um, um, work it through with, with people who would have that understanding and to, to help me manage what was going on. And there was a woman that was on campus. Her name was Rosita Dorsey. And um, she was with the uh, Equal Opportunity Program there. And she was a sounding board for a lot of us during that time. And she was just precious. Is, that's the only word I could I use for her. Um, and so, uh, and she was an older um, woman. I, she may have been, even been a grad student herself. I don't know, but she was working there at the time, and she was she was responsible for a, a number of us of, of helping us and stuff like that. And and I know a number of us used her um, as a, a place to really say, so what's going on here? How do how do I manage this? How do I negotiate? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I was going to ask if you had any specific like examples and I guess you had the Dixie song, but um, yeah. <laughs> so what, uh, how did women's sports kind of um, grow back then? Like from, if you can think back from your freshman to your senior year, did you see any progress? You talked about kind of trying to be involved and growing it, but you saw the fencing team disappear. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I just kind of wanted to, right. you know, what you did see come out of that. Yeah, well, so one of the things that ha that happened was Title IX was going on, and um, we were trying to get Title IX passed. And um, and I know the the women in athletics were really strongly supporting Title IX and going down to um, Des Moines to, to to talk about it and stuff like that. And one of the things I did do with that is I was involved with the National Organization for Women also at the time. Um, and what I did was write their proclamations of support of Title IX and that, that was submitted down in Des Moines. And so, so that was one of the shifts that we saw, I, I saw. Um, one of the things that um, um, we did was begin to hire uh, people who were responsible for coaching. Like I think Locke Bergson was one of the first dedicated coaches that was hired because, um, and, um, and with most of her responsibility being coaching, I, um, she may have to do one class or something like that. But before that, almost everybody was a grad student and they didn't hire coaches. And so we began to get coaches um, for, the, for our programs. My, the field hockey coach for me was Margie Greenberg. Um, she was hired. Um, to, to be coach um, during that time. And then they begin to hire, um, even bring in um, dedicated assisting coaches. And so, um, so, so it was getting solidified inside of um, the um, 
athletic department. Um, and, you know, we, AIW was, was going strong and everybody was, people were um, really in, strongly involved in um, the American Intercollegiate Athletics for Women's program. And um, actually Peg and Bonnie and, and Chris were all leaders in that organization. And some, and, you know, and some of the students at Iowa, like one of the, the my, my right wing, Karen Smith was um, actually one, our, the student rep on AIW. So we would connect all the time because um, I was at one, one year I was co-captain for the field hockey team. And um, I was also, we had the women's athletic association on, at the University of Iowa, and I was president um, one of the years for that, and, and um, vice president another year. So, um, so I was very involved in, in working with the. I mean, things didn't happen overnight, and so, but incremental, very involved in working with the incremental shifts that were going on inside of the system and around the country. So, wow, it, it, it was it was a great time for learning about what you can do and what and what was going on. Now, today, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Iowa is under a Title IX lawsuit um, right now, and they just reinstated women's swimming. But I think there are some women who are coming out trying to push for women's wrestling and especially in women's rugby and stuff like that. Uh Um, I wasn't sure if you have kept up with that stuff. So what what I'm up on is that I I know that there were some lawsuits in the you know, with field hockey and stuff like that. So I was up on that. I do know about the stuff that just happened with Black Lives Matter um, and all that was, was going on with that. Right now, what I'm, I'm doing is we have a group called um, Pioneers, Women Pioneers of Field Hockey. And so there's about six or seven of us who have come together. And one of the things that I would, I mean, one of the reasons you can't find information on, on who was the first African-American woman is because all the AIAW stuff didn't get categorized or something. It's all lost. Um, and so we've been trying to pull together all the athletes who were doing the AIW years from 72 to 80, I think it was 83. We're trying to pull all the field hockey players, at least, to come together to, I mean, that's why I knew all about the 50th anniversaries, because one of the things we're trying to do is get everybody to, to get come to the 50th anniversary and things like that. But to really begin to, um, get Iowa to recognize the, the history of women's athletics as well as the history of men's athletics. Because I bet you didn't have any trouble finding the first black athlete, football player, you know. And so how they um, are able to, um, you know, institutionalize that and put it in their history and then not put in what's going on on the woman's side, I think is, is um it's just not okay. And so there's, I think there's a critical element that they, that um, Iowa have to really come to terms with about that their, their student population are both, uh, it's a reflection of society and what they need to do is honor the reflection of society as they honor athletics. Yeah. Um, why do you think that history wasn't really, isn't documented in the way, I mean, what did you say? Uh, categorized or yeah why is it not recorded um, some of it is um the struggle of i mean one of the things that happened was aiw was i mean it wasn't until aiw got to be um really <coughs> excuse me a threat to ncaa 
that that NCAA started to really want to do women's sports. And when that happened, there was some criteria they put in place that and if you're a part of AAW, you couldn't be a part of NCAA almost in some ways. And so NCAA didn't recognize it. And so um, and NCAA just started in the last two years when I was at the final four, they had in their booth some AIEW cha- championships and things like that. So they themselves just started recognizing the, the women's athletics from before they had, I mean, women's athletics didn't start when NCAA decided to have women um, mm-hmm. compete. It started before that. And so, and because they didn't acknowledge it, schools didn't have to acknowledge it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. You said um, you were familiar with some of the Black Lives Matter movements that even took place on Iowa's campus um, this past summer after Mm -hmm. the murder of George Floyd and everything. Um, Were you, what was your reaction to seeing that in Iowa? I mean, I know that um, it was pretty much everywhere, but um, I just wanted to know, like, what was your reaction to that? Um, well, my reaction was I, you know, I wasn't surprised for one, um, but I, what I couldn't get my head around was why the coach who, um, the, the strength coach and everyone, all the people who were involved in some of the things, why they still had their jobs, why they didn't get questioned, why there, there was nothing that was put forward to say, oh, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's my concern in this day that people can still people can do what they want to do to other folks and and the university turns their head um and um and that to me is is not it's it's you know if you want these athletes to come and and let's let's i mean there's a lot of prestige with sports there's a lot of prestige that comes to the school from athletics and you can't have it both ways. You can't have these athletes come on and have that kind of experience and then turn your head. You have to say, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. yeah. I don't know if you saw the recent news that strength coach was, um, he was hired briefly um, in the, by the, by an NFL team, the Jaguars, and then he left. Um, because of the background. Right. Because of there was protests. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, and so where is that happening at, at Iowa for women? Where is that happening for students of color at Iowa? And how, are, how is, as you do, as Iowa said, one of the things they're doing now is a lot of diversity work and stuff like that. How are they holding the administration accountable? Mm-hmm. And if they don't hold the administration accountable, then they aren't gonna, the work isn't gonna um, go anywhere because those are the people in power and you have to, you know, challenge the power base to say you have to do the right thing. Right. You talked about having this kind of dedicated place um, with your dance group at Iowa um, to kind of be your authentic self, you know, a woman of color. And um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to know more about Mm -hmm. that dance group you said it was called the um, black genesis dance group um yeah i kind of want to know more yes yes it was called actually one of the surprising things is that i was when i um was um, i teach now at a place called the evergreen state college and um at one point um another 
African-American faculty came on at the Evergreen State College and he was a dancer. And so we were getting, we were talking and he was a graduate from the University of Iowa. He's an African-American man. He was a graduate from the University of Iowa and he was a part of Black Genesis. And that was such a wonderful uh, coincidence because I didn't think I would ever meet anybody who came behind me um, who was a, a member of that group. And I don't know if that um, group is still going on or not. So I wondered if the group was still going on. But um, it was, uh, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the two people who led it. One was Julie, I can't remember Julie, What's her last name. Um, oh, I can't remember. And another uh, African-American male. Um, and he did a lot of the poetry um, writing sides and she was the most, did a lot of the dancing side. And um, it was, and it was, it was made up of students who had had dance in their history and some who didn't, people who had um, um, theater in their history and people who didn't, but we came together and what we did was perform, uh, it was kind of a theatrical dance, it, it was theater and dance together. And we performed, a, we did a presentation twice a year, I believe it was where we would um, just, and, and of course, in, when, as we practice, as we rehearsed, as you know, we became that support group for each other. Um, the group was already there when I got there. And so I just had to join it. And um, it was one of the most grounding experiences for me as I was at Iowa, because it was something that I knew that, that of all, of what I did coming up, all my dance, all my athletics, all my um, ways of being in the world was embraced in that group. And it came through our our presentations every year. And so we could support each other in ways that we didn't get supported on the campus um, for being who we were in the world. Um, when you, first got to Iowa did you ever did you have like some regrets about being there because you felt kind of out of place oh let me tell you the first experience one of the first experiences I had at Iowa was with the two roommates I had and um it it was it, I mean I still at times think about that and and can't believe I stayed after that. Um, but, uh, and it, um, so I, it was, I was in a room, it was the three of us. It was me and two white women. Um, and these two white women could not be different. So, di I mean, they more different. Um, but one was, one was very shy, very quiet. And the other one was um, pretty obnoxious, if I'm <laughs> going to be honest. And, um, and she hated having a black roommate and that I would hear her talking to like I would be laying in the bed and she would get a call from her and she would be talking about her sister's not going to college because she doesn't want to end up like her with a black roommate and things like that. And, um, and she just did everything to make my life miserable in that room. And um, she, and so I finally um, got got it so that I could transfer out of the um, out of the room. The other roommate was very nice and very quiet. And, she, and when I 
had to leave. She said, I am just so sorry. I just didn't know what to do. She, she, you know, she was quiet. She didn't know what to do. She knew what she was doing was wrong, but she didn't know how to handle it either. It's, it's probably the first time she had been in a, in a racial kind of dynamic inside of a, a room too. Um, and so, and, and I was, I had packed and I was waiting for um, the movers to come move and I was laying on the bed and the woman came and saw all my stuff packed and she immediately made a phone call um, with, to her parents and to other people saying, oh gosh, she's getting out of my room. She's moving. Da, 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 da. And, and, and it was just what's, I mean, it was just one of the worst experiences I've had at Iowa. So um, that was one of the places where Marty helped me a lot because Marty was the one who said, Marcel, you know, you can transfer out of this room. You can, you know, and so she, she taught, she, I would talk to her and say, I don't know what's going on with this woman. I don't know why she's doing this and stuff like that. And this is one of those places where Marty had to sit, you know, and Marty didn't have a lot of experience either. And she was just trusting what I was saying and, and really helped me through that process of, of what I needed to do to shift. So, and then some of my other friends had had some experiences too, and they, also were changing their rooms. And so um, they knew of somebody else who um, needed to get out of their room and said, Marcella, we're gonna connect you with her and see if you guys can room together. So, so that's what happened. We, we were able to room together. So, but I had to really connect to my support system to say, I have no idea what's going on. I don't, you know, I, I couldn't sleep. I could, you know, I was, I, I was actually afraid to be in the room most of the time. So, um, cause I didn't know if she was gonna do something to me, <laughs> you know? So, I, so sleeping was not the, the, the best of uh, best during that time. So, oh, so I, I think it took me about eight weeks to get out of there. Oh my gosh. That's a long time. Yeah. It's a long yeah. time to not feel at, at home. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh so. man. Um, so when I contacted you, I wanted to know, um, were you aware that you were the first black woman athlete at Iowa, or did you have no idea? Um, I, um, I knew um, one of the coaches had told me that a while back. And mm -hmm. so I, I kind of knew that. And I, and when she told me, I thought that she told me because she, oh, she said that somebody asked her and she had called me and said, cause I'm still connected to a number of the coaches. Um, she, and she said, I, I, I just wanted to let you know in case you get a call or something like that. But that was a couple of years ago. And nobody ever said anything. So I thought, oh, nothing came of that. And, and so maybe I thought, oh, maybe I wasn't. <laughs> so Lark Birdsong had told me that um, I was um, the first black athlete at, at Iowa. So I, I knew that by the time I got um, Steve's in your email. Yeah. Um, what was your reaction to learning that information? Was it just something that you kind of thought you kind of had a feeling you knew or was it something that was like oh I'm actually kind of proud of that well I'm actually proud of it um mm -hmm. and and I think that I you know as I scan you know what I did was like scan my environment from there back there and I'm like oh right I don't you know I was right you know so um and 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 so it, it is something I'm, I'm proud of I mean it um, and I, I do know that there were people that came after me because um, I remember um, there was another African-American field hockey player. There's an uh, African-American, couple of African-American basketball players and things like that. And so, so it was nice to, to know that um, we all trail, did, were trailblazers. So. Um, 
because it, it takes more than one. To, the, and, I, and, and my only regret is that I left before Vivian Stringer got here. <laughs> I, I think I, I was on my way out. I was going to teach at the University of Florida and she was coming in to coach at Iowa. And I was like, oh, I missed it. <laughs> so. um, did you find athletics to be an accepting place while you were at Iowa? I mean, I know that you said that there was the there was the end of your banquet where they would play Dixie, but did you find it to be accepting when you were on those teams and playing with these women or um, did you find it not to be? Um, I, hang, I hung, up, hung out with a number of them. Um, so and there, so I, I found that the group that I hung out with was, was, was pretty accepting. Um, and and I mean, I do remember, I mean, one of the one and I, I do remember one incident somebody told me about because um, I did my student teaching in Iowa um, in the elementary schools and in the high school, high schools. And um, I remember um, one, uh, one of the one of the athletes who was a field hockey player who was also a phys ed major came to me and said, Marcel, I got this question that I want you to know about. And so there were some people who protected me or gave me information so that I could still be existing in the world because they knew something was wrong. And they didn't, maybe they didn't know what. And she said, I got this question from one of the faculty about your student teaching. And they said that your, you were, um, that one of the, the, the person who was your, supervisor said that she thought maybe you were racist. And um, I'm like, what? And she says, and so she was asking some of us if you were racist. And I looked at her and said, there is no way in the world Marcella is racist. So you need to go back and talk to that supervisor. And I, I really thanked her for that because I could have you know, just ruined my whole, I mean, they could have just fought me if they wanted to. Um, and so, so that's where some of the people that I was in athletics who had my back. Yeah. And so that, that's some of the, the camaraderie I think I feel with a lot of the women that I, um, I played with and hung out with and, um, and still connect with today. So. Um, there's a lot that's going on with women's sports these days and, you said that you love field hockey and you love, you obviously love basketball. Um, what's it like to see women's sports today and how much it's grown and where do you think it still needs to go? Oh, let me tell you, look at the SEC. I think it's the SEC. I've been watching the SEC games because they, for the first time, have this group of African-American women. Is it the SEC or ACC? One of the two leagues. Um, and it is just wonderful seeing all these um women coaching. I mean, and they're much younger than I am, you know, um, and, and, but they are, I mean, and it's a tough league to be coaching in um, and almost all the schools are ranked. And so where it's going and they have to see the WNBA and to see what they did, how they unify. I mean, I've never seen an athletic group unify so strongly around what was going on in the world. Um, and, and, and I have to say, I'm in Seattle, so the, the storm was a big part of that. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a good place. 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so to see what these women are doing today, to see how they're stepping up and how all of those athletes stepped up and said, we are one and we are standing tall and we, this, is, this is not okay. And, and to see them unify like that, and, and you know it's because of the camaraderie they had, the experiences they've had together, and the understanding that, that they have about each other's lives that are quite different than the understandings when I was young. So it's, it's I mean, one of the things I um, always say to folks who um, are saying, wow, look at this, look at that, I said, we were the trailblazers. We were the ones who set the stage for what is happening now to go on. And we should be proud of that. And I'm really proud of watching these women do what they do. They are so exciting. They're so dynamic and they are so bright. So it's, it's just, you know, I do a lot around, I teach a lot around social um, e um, equality and things like that as I teach. And, um, and one of the, in my leadership class that I was teaching this weekend, we did a lot around inclusive leadership. And I, and I was saying the world is shifty. And these are some of the dynamics that you are going to be facing um, in a whole different way. And these are the kind of, this is the kind of information you need to know. And so to be able to really give that kind of information to folks to move on in the world, to do the best work that they can do, I think is the best that I could do at this time. And I love it. Yeah. So you feel like you played, a, it's almost like you played a role in what is happening <laughs> today. And I mean, no, no doubt you did. Um, yeah, um, I guess it must be nice and gratifying to see that. Um, where do it you is. think like women's sports has left to grow? I mean, obviously there's a lot of growth that can, that needs to take place, but mm -hmm. you know, what right. you, in your eyes, like what's the next step for some of these mm -hmm. sports and for women in sports in general and even black women in sports? Well, I mean, yeah, well, so, so one of the things that I, I think we have to, to do is really think about the student athlete and what do we mean by the student athlete and how do we, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I do know that there are student athletes on some campuses who um, get a scholarship or go to school, but that's all the money they get and things like that. And then the school gets a lot of money. So I think we have to grapple with what we mean as for student athlete and how we support students as well as support the institution, because we got to do both. We can't just do one. Um, I, I think we need to um, really um, think about how we support women's athletics so that, because I think a lot of women's sports are still begging for resources. So how do we stop the begging? And how do we support them to say, you are here, what do you need? And how do we have some of the top women in athletics compete so that um, it's not, a big challenge anymore. So now you're a professor at Evergreen State in Olympia, Washington. Um, so did your experience at Iowa inspire you to get into the role that you're in now? Um, you have several degrees that I read, um, like <laughs> PhD, like three masters or something. I don't know. So I just wanted to know, um, you know, how you yeah. got to where you are now. You know, I, I say that every single experience I have comes through me, whatever I'm doing. And I believe that the foundation of everything, when I do talk about mind, body, spirit, 
because I always talk about it in leadership. I always talk about it when I'm doing organizational development work. That all came from, because I was a health and phys ed major. And I went on from that and I taught at the University of Iowa, not Iowa, Florida. And one of the things I did there was help start the National Black Women's Health Project. And the National Black, it's now called the um, Black Women's Health Initiative. And one of the things we did in, in the finding of that was really look at African-American women and, and look at the line by Fannie Lou Hamer, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And one of the things we wanted to do was how do we help do self-help with women of color to be, uh, because they're always caring for uh, other people. How do we assist women, black women to care for themselves also? It's okay to care for other people, but you also have to care for yourself. And so all of that is embedded into, as I, and, and I teach that in leadership. How do you care for yourself as a leader, as well as uh, um, care for um, the people that you you lead? Um, and so, and that that all came from Iowa, you know. And how do how do you um, stay healthy with your mind, your body, and your spirit? And that's that's really about what health and phys ed is all about. It's about tuning that body, and the more the body is tuned, the more the intellect is tuned. And it's all connected. And so one of the things I do with all the work that I do is I connect it all. And so my my MSW, my clinical background comes into play. And I, you know, and I um, have I'm a gestaltist, so I, I have a lot of understanding of of, of and the, the reason I went to that modality is because it's about the whole. And so what's the whole being and how do you bring the whole being to everything that you do? And, and so I, so, you know, when I went into organizational development and leadership, all of that came together and all of that is, is, is just intertwined in how I um, present myself to the world, how I uh, engage the world and how I ask the world to engage me. Yeah. Wow. I could listen to you talk like all day. Um, can you be my professor? <laughs> <laughs> It was just like so fascinating. I just every time I every time you say something, I'm like, wow. Um, I don't know how to react. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, so I think what we've seen this in COVID and this year is that COVID mm-hmm. has disproportionately affected the lives of um, Black people um, in general. Mm-hmm across the United States, there have been mm-hmm. more deaths in the black population. There have been more severe cases and that, especially in your hometown of Chicago. Um, yes. How did you feel about the fact that sports on the collegiate level were still happening, especially in sports like football and basketball, which are predominantly, you know, African-American people? You know, I, this is one of those places where I look at, this is one of those places that I think the athletics drew a line with um, what's important, money or well-being. And I think that um, some of the things that the athletes were asking for and, you know, and, you know, and, and this is where we say to it, you say to administrators, are you doing the best for the athlete? Because yes, yeah, your, your, your program needs money, but is it the best for the athlete? And you look at how many games have been canceled. You look at, you know, how many um, 
um, um, this, the, how hard it is to bring to you know to 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 have movement to go from one place to the other. And had we just shut down for a while, I, I think we could have come back very strong. And so, and you know, I, I don't know if you know, but just two days ago, the NCAA, with all of the protocol that the athletes are doing to stay safe, the NCAA just said, oh, we're gonna have participants. I mean, on spectators. And I'm like, wait a minute, these athletes had just put their lives on the line. They have been in containment. And then you're just gonna open it up to the world like that? And I said, something's wrong with that picture. Something, I mean, if you're gonna have it contained, have it contained, but you just shifted the whole landscape for those athletes who've been working so hard, who has been so diligent in the staying um, um, safe. And you just opened it up saying, when you get to the Sweet 16, when you get to the tournament, we're gonna let people in. That doesn't make sense to me. So I say, you, if you're gonna put the athletes first, put the athletes first. Um, and and, and one, one of the things I know is that in a lot of these places, people didn't take their money back who paid for tickets. They, they allowed that money to sit. And so those programs still had that money. And so to say, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna just step back for a period of time and, and let this play out and then see what, where it goes instead of demanding some of the things that was demanded, I, it was saddening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think it was just, it, the whole year has been a huge ethical debate. Um, exactly. Internal and externally, I think, you know, um, yeah, like I can't imagine being a college athlete and having to make that decision um, to play right. or not to play. And of course you want to, you know, but. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, right. Yeah, I was interested in like knowing your perspective too because of that piece. What do you teach now? And um, yeah, what do you teach now? So, so I just, you know, I, one of the things I just did was retire from a place called the Fielding Graduate University and where I directed the master's program in organizational development and leadership. Mm -hmm. And so I am um, now faculty emeritus there and I'm now faculty emeritus at the National Training Laboratories in um, Washington, D.C., where um, there was a, um, it's an organization that did a lot of work uh, going inside of systems, helping them with strategic planning, diversity, and things like that. And now I'm faculty emeritus there, so I'm becoming faculty emeritus everywhere I go, um, Evergreen's next. And I um, teach things, so my, my PhD is human and organizational systems. Mm -hmm. And so I, my teaching involves um, something with psychology or organizational development kind of emphasis. So right, right now I'm teaching uh, a year long class on leadership. And the first one, the first quarter, it was theory, leadership theory and practice. The second quarter, this is the quarter that we're in, is, is use of self as a leader. And so how do you use yourself? Who, how do you develop yourself as the leader that you want to be in the world? And then the next quarter, um, which we'll go to in April, is on um, organizational development. So how do you become that ch agent of change inside of the system that you belong? Gotcha. 
So you're in a way hoping to encourage more diverse leadership across the board. Exactly. With that course. And, and then I teach courses like a, a, the authentic self. And I teach courses. Like one of one of the things that happened um, when um, May, the um, Black Lives Matter was going on, I was teaching, we co-teach in um, a lot of our classes at Evergreen. And I was teaching a, a class called Making Change Happen. Mm. And, um, and it was every, all the ingredients of making life, Black Lives Matter was going on. And so we had, as we were teaching, every, all the theory and practices and stuff were coming alive inside of the classroom. It was such a wonderful time to be teaching that and, and the students to be you know, involved in it and, and being challenged and, and trying to understand what was going on in the world and what they, how did they want to participate and things like that. And so, I mean, it was, I, I, we could have not had a better class going on at that time um, last year. So, um, and so, so things like that. So, I, so, you know, it, it, it's, and I was teaching that with another psychologist. And so, so the, the classes we, we co-teach, like I teach authentic self with a, a theater major and stuff like that. So we bring discipl interdisciplinary work together. Very cool. Um, did you attend any of the marches this uh, past summer? Um, the Black Lives Matter marches? Uh, I, I did a couple of the, um, um, I did one march and a couple of the gatherings where there were speakers and stuff like that. But at 67, <laughs> I've done a, number, a lot of marches in my life and I'm like, I can't march today. <laughs> but, I, but, you know, and one of the things I did was what, what other support can I give? And so one of the things um, I did was we gave to, um, um, so that people who got arrested could have lawyers and things like that. And so looking at those other pockets of how do you support a movement happening? And if you can't march, what else can you do? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And so one, 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 of, yeah, one of my beliefs is that one of the things when we're doing social action, when we're doing things like that, what is, we have to look at what everybody is doing and what they're capable of, is doing and not saying one thing is better than the other. Um, because for some people, just being able to get out to the store to get a loaf of bread, it's an act of social action. And so we can't say that what we do is, more, is much more important than what that person did. Right. Um, so obviously this podcast is um, Black History Month, celebrating Black history. Um, of course, the work isn't done there. So, you know, I'm a white Jewish woman and I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> So if you were to speak to white people like me on how to be a better ally during this time and move forward from Black History Month, what would you say? So I, I would say, um, question, look at the intent. What is your intent of everything that you wanna do and move towards your intention for a better world? So how do you do that and how do you embrace and engage others and listen to others so that you are informed by those in action.
I'd like to thank Marcella for being so generous with her time and also being so open about her journey to where she is now. Her story is also published in the Gazette, which is, of course, where you can find my coverage of Hawkeye football and athletics administration. Um, Episode three, as I mentioned before, this is the three-part series on Black history at Iowa. But the third episode, we're more going to talk about the future. Uh, I have Broderick Bins joining us talking about creating a more inclusive environment for black athletes. He is, of course, the executive director of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Iowa. And then I also talk with San Diego Chargers and former Iowa football player Quinn Early and his work on a Frank Kinney Holbrook documentary. So I hope y'all enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I welcome all feedback. Please be nice. This is only my second episode. And I also welcome topic suggestions on Twitter. So you can find me there at at LVan underscore sports. And yeah, y'all have a good one.